Welcome everybody to the Minimap Cast, Minimap's weekly game podcast, your favorite weekly games podcast. Uh, my name is Jeremy. Usually uh, it's Kerry that is reading this. Um, uh, Kerry is unfortunately at the moment um, still at home, still sick. We missed last week. We were both sick last week. Kerry is still recovering. Um, so in, in, in his uh, absence, uh, I brought on a very special guest, uh, one David Smith. Um, for, from Kotaku AU. David, how are you going? Hello, mate. Good to see you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on, especially late notice as uh, like a quick DM at a at a, at a a cheeky 1 p.m. I was like, hey, <laughs> what are you up to later this evening? Um, uh, we've got a got a gap. We'd love you to have love to have you on. Um, yeah, of course, anytime. Happy to do it. Happy to hop in. Uh, just before I go into the introductions, um, David, uh, what what's your like history with games? What are you doing? You know, you 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 work at Kotaku. What are you doing, man? <laughs> no, but like, what do you like? What what's your history with games? Um, what got you into it? Is there a specific game that you super loved growing up that you got got you really into? Like, oh, games can be a thing that I can really get into. Ooh, oh my gosh. Uh, well, uh, like, like a lot of guys my age, I'm 39 years old. I've been playing games since uh, the very like late 80s. Um, the, the first console we ever owned was an Atari 2600 that was handed down to me from uh, an uncle. Uh, I played a ton of games on that thing. They had so many that they just, they just hand them off to us because their boys were moving on to a, an NES or maybe a Super Nintendo at that point. Um, I played a lot of Pitfall, a lot of Ghostbusters, a lot of, um, oh my God, the, the plaque attack, the, the one where like you have a little gun flying around inside somebody's mouth and like blowing up like junk food and stuff. It was kind of like, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was like, oh my God, look that one up. It was fucked up. Um, <laughs> that basically gave way to, uh, another Atari, a family computer. Um, the, I think I was calling S2000. I think right. um, it was one of those old, old Ataris where like the whole PC was basically built into the, into the keyboard and like, yeah, the disc tray and everything. My dad conned my mom into buying that one and was like, Oh, if he wants to play video games, you should play it on the computer. Yeah. But what dad actually wanted was a PC that he could write music on. So he got that done. Uh, that eventually gave way to the Mega Drive, which was actually where I fell in love with video games for real. Yeah, right. Uh, first game I ever played on my Mega Drive was uh, Street Fighter 2. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm getting over a cold. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm, um, uh, Street Fighter 2, that was a special championship edition uh, that came with the console. I had the choice. I could either get the version that came with, um, uh, with Street Fighter or uh, there was one that came with Aladdin, uh, and another Disney game, and I'm forgetting what it was. I actually have. Was it like one of the Mega Drive? Ones? Oh wow! Okay, on my shelf right behind me. Yeah, still, right. I still have that. I have that little Mega Drive too. Watching but over the, you the, as you as you get into the 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 broadest world of games possible. It's come with me everywhere, man. But nice. the game that I played on that system that I fell in love with was Sonic Three. That was the one. Nice. And it was after that. It was off to the races. I never stopped playing games. I fell in love with them. I wanted to know more about them. I want to know how they were made, and the people that made them uh yeah awesome that's my, that's my story and 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 now you are you are the the head of kotaku australia um you don't know how that happened <laughs> uh, do you want to just talk just very briefly on you know the the kind of things that you love to focus on over there i've seen a lot of yeah. the, um the work that you've done over there has been really great um, oh, thank you. you. Want to just talk, talk to some of that stuff for just for a sec? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Kotaku Australia, if you're not familiar with it, we're the Australian arm of uh, the very well-known uh, American uh, video game website, Kotaku. Um, we are very much the, I would call us the hobby hut of, of Kotaku. <laughs> we're very much like on the other side of the planet. We're doing our own thing. Uh, we're a very different vibe uh, to the US site for sure. Um, a lot of people like to come to Kotaku Australia for that reason because we're, we're just a little bit different. Um, our content mostly focuses on, uh, we try and keep it as local as we can, hyper-local from time to time. Uh, we focus on local events, local games, uh, local developers where we can. Uh, we write a lot of stories that are about, <coughs> pardon me, the news of the day, uh, the big AAA stuff that obviously people want to read about and keeps the traffic going, keeps the lights on for us. Um, but a big part of our remit is the Australian industry. We like to talk about 
what's going on in the Australian industry, the good, the bad. Um, we talk about when we have wins. We talk about it when we have major losses. We ran a story only a few weeks ago that uh, Jackson Ryan wrote for us as a freelancer uh, about redundancies uh, at EA Fire Monkeys here in Melbourne. Mm. It's it's a mixed bag for sure of the, the, the stuff that we do talk about in the local industry. Um, but we've, we've always had a really loyal following for it um, and we do love doing that kind of work so we do want to continue it. It's always really cool um, when we were at PAX last year, for instance, we had people coming up to us throughout the weekend just to say g'day and, yeah. like, th- thanks for putting those stories together. Like, people even from within the industry, which was really, really cool. Um, yeah, it's it's something that we're known for. We've always been known for it ever since, like, Mark Serrells was editing the site back in the day. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was succeeded by my predecessor, Alex Walker. That work has gone on the entire time and yeah. now it's up to us. We carry that forward a little bit. It's kind of a, a, a in a weird way, a little bit of a mantle uh, in games media in Australia and one that I'm happy to bear. Awesome. Well, you know, the, the uh, games as a whole in Australia is better off for the work that you are doing. So, so oh, bless you. Hey, thank thank you, you so much for doing that. Of course. Uh, um, to get through the intro, uh, the Mirror Cast goes live on all podcast platforms every Wednesday with 24 hours of early access given to all of our wonderful patrons. More on that later. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, make sure you tell your friends and give the show a positive rating wherever you listen to your podcast. It makes a huge difference and it only takes a few seconds. If you want to get notified every time a new episode is released, make sure to follow us on social media. We are at MinimapAU on uh, X. Oh my God, he nearly forgot his own at. Uh, no, no, it was it's deciding to call it X as opposed to Twitter. <laughs> um, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and also Twitch, where we are live every Monday night, uh, 7.30 p.m. A Australian Eastern Standard Time uh, for the live recording of the Minimap cast. We always hang out and chat before, after, um, and during the break of the live recording, um, and would love to see you there. We also wanted to say thank you f- to Shook for letting us use the Moog Model D improv as the music for the Minimap cast. You can listen to more of Shook's music at shook.bandcamp.com. And finally, Minimap is completely independent and funded almost entirely out of our own pockets. To help keep the lights and mics on, you can support us by becoming one of our wonderful patrons. For only $5 a month, you get a 24-hour early access for all episodes of the Minimap cast and some little bonus features we're planning on cooking up. For example, uh, just before Kerry got uh, quite ill, we recorded a couple of these... um, uh, remember E3 is sort of the, the working title of it where we just watch a bunch yeah. of old E3s and just sort of react to them and talk to them and just kind of like, you know, talk shit from the cheap sheets, uh, from, from the cheap seats about <laughs> about the nonsense that was going on. Um, there's an episode that's going to go up um, for everybody on our YouTube um, quite soon when I manage to get around to it, which is us reacting to, to Xbox th- uh, the Xbox 360 2009 E3 showing. Which was, was this all the stuff that came out of like the gear that Danny O'Dwyer's been putting up? Part of it, yes. Danny O'Dwyer oh, put up a channel specifically so for us to react to it. We love him very much for that. Oh, it's so good. Getting 1080p videos from back then is incredible. Um, especially it's incredible, isn't it? The 1080p Milo reveal of the from the Connect. <laughs> it's just it's just wonderful stuff. Um, if that interests you, head on over to patreon.com forward slash AU to help us out. And remember, it's cheaper than a latte with oat milk. Mm. David that's true five bucks that's a really good deal right it's especially considering comparing it to the price of a coffee which gets more expensive every day I, every time I read it it gets more and more expensive um just before we jump into Baldur's Gate um there was uh just one thing I did want to sort of just get your get your takes on um uh this like this is like some some, some pretty light news but it's, it's, it's some exciting news uh, today, PAX announced um, a couple of the big hitters are going to be there later in the year. Um, specifically, Nintendo and Bethesda are going to be here, um, mm. which I think is really exciting. Um, PAX last year was a little bit lighter in terms of a lot of the like the the major players. You know, there was no Microsoft, mm. there was no Nintendo, there was no PlayStation. Square was only there with Final Fantasy fourteen sort of thing. Um, yeah. With Nintendo and Bethesda back, you know, like, do you think we're going to start to see a more um, traditional year of packs as you know we know it now back in Australia. I, I think so. Yeah, like this. This sort of feels like um, the first rumbles of, of that happening. I wrote uh, a little piece about the the news on Kotaku AU today. Um, 
and in that I sort of referred back to a piece that I wrote after PAX last year where I was kind of remarking on like how weird it was to have a PAX without like a, a, an expo hall floor jam-packed with with AAAs. Like Xbox yeah. usually has a big booth. PlayStation usually has a big booth. Ubisoft usually has a big booth. Bethesda usually takes over the queue room. They've mm. done that for like several years now. Yeah. None of it None of it was there. It was all satellite. It was all off-site. Um, everyone was doing their own thing. And the, that piece at the time was trying to kind of puzzle together whether this was the E3-ification of, of PAX, because it was Pop, the same company that was attempting to put E3 on at the time. Yeah. Um, and, if you, you know, you go to E3 and, like, you spend a lot of your time not really at E3. You're at all the satellite events going on around Los Angeles, busting your ass to get around town. Um, and it kind of felt like there was a little bit of that going on. I've got to go over to Xbox and they're down the other end of the CBD. I've got to go and see Ubisoft there at a different point. Fortress is fairly central. A lot of people are having events there. Yeah. And so it became a matter of like, is this what the future of the show looks like? Does PAX itself spill out into the Melbourne CBD and that's the new normal? Or is it just post-pandemic hesitation? Are they, are the major publishers just not willing to spend the money Mm. on booth space at PAX? Because it ain't cheap. It's it's certainly not cheap, especially for the size of the booths that they used to have, right? And, you know, the staff to to man all the consoles and the hardware and all that stuff, It's a huge expenditure just to go to the show and have a presence there. So, like, there was that on my mind as well at the time. It was just like, are they hesitating? Are they just sort of not sure if coming out of the pandemic the PAX is still going to be a success? Maybe they all hold off for a year, see, like, what happens if it is a success we come back in 2023 it certainly seems like we're seeing the first steps of that now like nintendo's prepared to come back and apparently in a big way because they're bringing yeah. like competitions and a whole booth and everything the bethesda announcement was interesting because it was a little bit more murky yeah um, and it's like they've got starfield that comes out about a month before before the, it, right the show and so are they just going to be have a bunch of stations where you can play starfield like Maybe. Maybe. I mean, part of me is sort of like, okay, I don't mind that because I don't, I don't know if you remember like PAX Oz 2015, okay. right? Okay. When, when like, because like Fallout 4 was like right yes. around the corner. Yeah, I remember we, that. We got our review copies the day PAX Oz started and oh, everybody's no. come in from everywhere else. But there's just, just like, just so you guys know. That's so Your review mean. copies will be waiting for you when you get home. And we're like, why did you do this to us? Oh. No one would have come here if you we'd known. That's so mean. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, oh, that was nice of them. They sent that they sent that game with like a month yeah, right. of lead time. That was beautiful. God. Uh, looking at Nintendo being there is interesting because yeah, like, like they've said they're gonna show up with with you know some competitions. There's like a Splatoon competition, there's a Mario Kart competition. Um mm. I was looking at the timings for them and when they were coming. It is two weeks before Mario Wonder comes out. Yeah. And Nintendo have brought some early games in the past um, to PAX Australia. Mm. Um, I think uh, Kerry said that it was sort of ones that were kind of similar to TGS at the time. So if they're going to bring it there, there's yeah. a chance they'll bring it over here as well. Um, yeah, so a lot of the time that does happen, yeah. There, there is a chance that we might get to look at a, a brand new Mario game there ahead of, ahead of the world release, which could be really great. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, like, even if it was a slightly older build, like if they, um, uh, one one thing that tends to happen at PAX is a lot of the time, um, <coughs> pardon me, uh, they tend to bring Gamescom builds. Yeah, Which right. are often a, a little bit older by that point. Like, Ubisoft is well known for bringing yes. uh, the Gamescom builds of their games to the PAX show floor because they've typically got them on hand. It's easy to, to transport them over yeah. um, and get them set up, get them working. There's a little bit more knowledge there rather than trying to carve off a new vertical slice and send it over and yeah. get it all set up on the show floor. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo may do that as well. Keep an eye out if they Nintendo's bringing a lot of uh, stuff like that, like their, their third and fo- uh, fourth quarter releases like Mario Wonder, keep an eye out. That may be the build that you end up playing uh, on the show floor. Um, that's the sort of stuff that, like, nobody ever finds out when they're not, like, in the game's media space. Like, yeah. they're, they're, It's just like, oh, I just get to play a little bit of this game, but they don't know where it came from. It's like, no, this is the stuff that, like, got played at Gamescom only a couple of months or even weeks ago at that point. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to PAX. Are you going to be there? I will be. I will be. There I can't well. wait. I, I love PAX. Like, I know that, like, it's not necessarily, like, the coolest thing in the world to be like, oh, my God, I love this big, gigantic fucking, like, convention. Because it is an exhausting weekend. It's, it's, it's three yeah. days. 
three if you and if you haven't been do, going to like games week before that if you haven't been going to migwa before that you're absolutely knackered by the end of it but like i've i've said to people before like even when it went away during the pandemic i really missed it because it's kind of become my personal burning man. Like yeah. I come out of the show every year, just like I'm fired out of a creativity cannon just from being around all these incredibly like talented, creative people for three really compressed days. Yes. It's um, it's my favorite weekend of the year. I can't wait. Some some of the most amount of steps I've ever done in any day ever is is always from like oh my specifically God. the Saturday and the Sunday. They are it's like just absolutely murder. Mental. Yeah. It's 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 murder, but you're having the best time. I know. Like and I would I wouldn't trade it for anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. Ridiculous. I I was I was I had a meeting with my publisher today. We do like a weekly catch up just to see how everything's going on the site and whatnot. And she was sort of like I don't know much about packs because we're sort of starting our planning and like making sure we've got everything in place and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. And she was like, I don't really know much about it. And I started explaining it to her and like what the show is. And I kind of got on to like, we've had, this is 10 years, right? Like since PAX first arrived in Australia, it's not the 10th show because of COVID, but it is the 10th year that it's been here. Um, and how like, it feels now like we've always had it, but when it first came here in 2013, there was nothing like it. We've never had no. anything like it, and now we're really protective of it because if it goes away, we won't have anything like it again. It's still kind of novel and silly that there's a whole weekend dedicated to video games, and yet it's so yeah. fun and it's so genuinely good. Like the whole yeah. rising section and and like the indies area, and and now the, there's like a dedicated New Zealand indies area as well, which is really yeah. cool. That time. So good. So good. So good. And it was really cool. I mean, one of the things that I did like about last year, I was sort of, I feel like I might've been in the minority opinion on this, but like, I really liked kind of not having the triple A's there to a certain extent because it drove everybody into the indies. Like there was just all these indies getting this massive amount of attention because that's what you could play on the show floor. Right. Like if it wasn't for that, if Xbox had been there, if PlayStation had been there, if Ubisoft had been there, Everybody would have been queuing up for that. Not as many would have been going into the indies. Well, Quite a few still would have been, but not as many. You might be forgetting the gigantic heavy hitter that was there being Sonic Frontiers. That, oh, that, that was Sonic Frontiers. The, the real reason everybody actually came to PAX last year was to see our, our blue friend running through the most hideous fields you've ever seen. Oh, man. Ruby and I queued up for like 30 minutes to get into that thing until like one of the, the, the people who were running the booth like recognized Ruby and was like, oh, you guys are from Kotaku. You can come in and yeah, quickly play it and make sure you get your content. And like, <laughs> she was so excited. We got in. She was like, yeah, let's go. Start playing Sonic and she gets 10 minutes into it. I'm like filming, getting TikTok footage and all yeah. the rest of it. I'm like, what do you think? And she's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was like, one of the worst demos I've played. And then the game came out and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Which is bizarre. really Oh, you that's great. Uh, I like it's it's a part of me that I haven't I haven't quite come to terms with yet. I don't super know why because like <laughs> like it was it was a mess when I when I played that game and I was like I think it's actually good. It was it, it was a it was a bad oh my time. God. I, I don't I don't I haven't. There's parts of me that I don't want to reconcile right now. That's definitely one of them. The part of me that enjoys I Sonic Frontier. Immediately threw it into the hole with the other tributes that have displeased me. Like, I was just like, no, this is not this is not my hedgehog. Get it out of my sight. <laughs> Speaking of incredible wildlife in a in a lush world full of amazing and fantastical fantastical creatures, incredible segue. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Baldur's Gate three has, has mm. just come out. Um, you've you've probably been playing it for a few more days than I have. Um, what's your history You'd with Baldur's Gate? Yeah, okay. What's your mm. history with Baldur's Gate three, and how you find well Baldur's Gate as a franchise, and how yeah. are you finding this one specifically? Yeah. Um, so, uh, history with the the franchise. I've been playing it since like yeah, like nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Like we we st- I I got a <laughs> I pinched. Well, I mean, I could say it now because it was a million years ago. But I pinched a copy of it off a friend who had uh, the legit copy on the PC of Baldur's Gate One and the expansion. Yeah. Um, and I and I nicked that. Like I, we just pirated it back yeah. in the day and, and hung on to it because that's what you did you just yeah. nicked all of your friends games and of course made copies of them where you could um and it just blew me away like this it was totally different to anything else i'd played at that time um like crpgs were so totally removed from anything you could play on a console and this in particular seemed insane it was sort of my gateway to, to dungeons and dragons as well like my friend and i 
who I got that game off, ended up playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons because that Baldur's Gate drove us to it. At the time, it was uh, 3.0, I want to say, was the D&D rule set at the time. Yeah, right. And the game, and the game did its best to reflect that. Um, by the time, I think... Neverwinter Nights rolled around. They were on to 3.5, I think. Um, but very much, like, in that era of, like, the the combat-heavy, really quite crunchy, wargame-adjacent version of Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really cool, really, really different. Uh, I set a friend up with another friend up with it. Not long after I got it, was just like, you got to fucking play this shit, man. It's unreal. And the game, I remember the game opening in a town uh, with a group of monks uh, near some sort of cloister, and my friend immediately goes over to one of the monks, misclicks, and punches one of the monks. Excellent. And this group of monks just gathered around him in a circle and it just beat him to death. <laughs> Instantly his character died. He was just like, this is the best game I've ever seen. I had no idea that was going to happen. That's this awesome. is incredible. Um, moving through, we went, to Dun- we went to Baldur's Gate 2. We went through the Shadows of Arm expansion. Um also, excellent games. I'm so glad that you can still play them with those enhanced conditions that Beamdog made. They're yeah. really, really good, beautifully modernized versions of those games. Um, they obviously feel a little bit sort of dated and a little bit slower by today's standard, um, especially when you compare it to something like Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I bought in on Baldur's Gate 3 the second it went into early access because I was just like, I'm back, baby. This is it. This is made for me. Um, so I've been sort of picking at it on and off um, in early access. I haven't played it for quite a while. Um, so a lot of the retail version stuff is quite different and quite new to me. Yeah, right. Um, the the opening seems like it's still very much the same. There's a lot of that stuff that's still very similar. Um, the opening sort of act yeah, also yeah, is like still the, very, very similar. The, like the prologue, the... Um one of my uh, like years years ago when Baldur's Gate three first went into early access, um, my housemate who's really into CRPGs um, picked it up and I watched him play the opening of it, and that was all I saw of that game until uh, mm. two days ago when I bought it. Um, and then I remember like launching the game and seeing like like that part of the game remaining fairly unchanged in terms of like the, yeah. the setting and the structure of it. And I was like, Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Like I remember that I actually have actually seen this game seen years ago. It, and yeah. I was like, yeah, no, it turns out like they kept this part and the rest of it is just very, like very, very different. Apparently very different. Apparently um, I'm, I'm not that far into it just yet. I got to play a bit of it over the weekend, not as much as I would have liked. Um, but what I have played so far is just still like, so remarkable, like somewhere between those old CRPGs, a real Dungeons and Dragons game around a table with your friends with dice and like a sprawling Bioware RPG like Mass Effect. There's yeah. just, it's it's pulling all of these threads together and it's doing it in so many like smart, interesting, really like quite economical ways as well. Mm. Uh, it's making a lot of like lateral connections, um, particularly as particularly in ways of like how it translates the tabletop game into um, into a video game form. I think it does it better than any D&D game has done it before. Um, there, there was something that, that was that really struck me when I was playing this game because I, I, I've only played like like a handful of CRPGs and even then very mm. sparingly. The only one that I've played, the, like the one I've played the most is like Disco Elysium, which is, you know, such a different vibe to this completely. Yeah. Um, but like I've played a bit of D&D here and there, but I've listened to a lot of D&D podcasts and, and actual mm. play podcasts and stuff. Um, the, the thing that struck me the most about, about Baldur's Gate 3 was it's, it's complete, like it's, it's, it's wonderful commitment to, giving you this incredibly well-authored, well-structured, fascinating story yeah. that, that allows all of, you know, like uh, that like uh, has been built in a way that allows your character and the your entire party to have their character moments and develop naturally and everything feels like it's, it's everything feels like it's on a really interesting track while mm. also allowing it to feel like this really organic um uh D&D campaign where there's like like you like I feel like I'm bouncing ideas off a really good DM constantly yeah. and they're throwing back a scenario for these ideas to to hit and then 
be expanded upon and then be built across um, over and over and over again that I just, like, I can't, I kind of can't believe they've pulled this off in such a, such a seemingly uh, effortlessly presented game that is, you know, got like a complete, you know, modern AAA, like, coat of paint on it, right? Like, it's, it's this wonderful thing. Um, I kind of can't believe a game like this exists in the way that it does exist. And, you know, I guess full on me for not not for, for doubting Larry and just a little bit, right? Even a little, right? right? Yeah, I know. I Really quickly, I just want to send a shout out to my friend Lauren who just sent me a screenshot of me on the podcast on Twitch. Hi, Lauren. <laughs> Hello. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really like remarkable how they pulled it off. Like you were talking about like how it feels like you're, you're playing against well, not against, but like opposite a really skilled DM. And that's definitely yeah. what it feels like, like running into, like I keep clicking on characters in the world just to see if I can talk to them. And every Everyone. goddamn time it starts a, an actual conversation between you and that. And I'm like, you guys have gone way deeper than you needed to. This is way harder than you needed to go. I don't know, like it, it's it's really quite brilliant. And even like the the dice mechanics the way that it's incorporated the d20 mechanics are really really smart and really really skillful totally. like the older the older games never even really gave you any of that so like almost all of the dice rolls were done behind the screen and like you would see it in, in maybe in the kill feed or something like that you see yeah, like oh yeah. no you, you failed this role you succeeded now it's like we're going to put the d20 on the screen and you're going to see the the bonuses that you've got whether that's your proficiency bonus or whether it's um, and a, a skill bonus granted by like a weapon or a particular move that you've taken or your background. And then if you've got a particular spell like guidance, say that can give you an extra D4 or something like that, you can choose to add that or not, just like you can in the tabletop game. It's fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. it's, I, like I'm, I love it. I, I want more dice rolls. I'm constantly just like, what can I use? Like my the I can use the full length and breadth of my character's skill set in a way that I felt like in those older CRPGs I really couldn't. Like, the, the, I, the, yeah, I, I go on about that part of the game all day. I think it's so fucking brilliant. It, it, it is brilliant. There's such a there's such a wonderful connection to you know like to all the editions of D and D and like just the idea of um you know playing a game on a table with a bunch of friends and you've got a bunch of dice and that is the, that is the entire experience. The rest of it is all, yeah. you know, I think, you know, coming out of, um, you know, like the Dungeons and Dragons movie that came out, but also coming out of, you know, the first season of Stranger Things from seven years ago, which helped kind of, uh, helped repopularize D&D to a group of, like to 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 an audience that is broader than just people who have been playing D&D for ages. Totally. Like, looking at that and then respecting that and, and bringing that into the experience, I think always um, elevates it. Like it was one of my favorite things about um, Citizen Sleeper was seeing all my mm. dice rolls that I would um, like, that I would do in that game because it's how I knew to like put the actual like mechanic to decision, like um, equation in my head it was it, yeah. it, it, it made so much sense um yeah you understand how the pieces fit together totally and they fit together in exactly the same way that they do in the tabletop game you could be like i mean you, you mentioned stranger things i think one of the other things that is like and you mentioned actual play podcasts before yep. uh, to me that's the thing that's like really sent dnd into like the cultural zeitgeist yes. critical role has had such an outsized effect on the game like because it showed people how easy it was to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like mm -hmm. one of the biggest like obstacles to getting anyone into the game has always been like, well, there's three rule books and right away people are like, ah, I don't know, man. Like yeah. that's uh, a lot of homework I got to do all of a sudden. And you watch something like Critical Role or like Dimension 20 or any number of uh, the actual play D&D podcasts out there and it shows you right away. It's like, no, you're just, you're telling a story with your friends and it's occasionally it's interrupted with dice rolls that tell you whether you succeed or fail at a particularly silly thing that you want to try and do. Yes. And it's, it's so, it's so much more simple than people thought it could be. And it wasn't until they were able to watch other people play it that they realized that and then it exploded. I, right? I, I, I couldn't agree more. Speaking of silly things that have happened in it, has there been anything that that stands out um, in your time in Baldur's Gate three that has been such a ridiculous funny thing that you couldn't help but break down at laughing? Oh it, my god! It, it, if you need a sec to think about it, I can quickly talk to one of mine, 
which oh I'm, yeah, please do. Uh, the character that I'm playing currently um, is one uh, Kendall Roy from the television show Succession, <laughs> um, because on Friday afternoon I was very tired after a big day of work, and a few of us were still at the office. We had a we had a beer or two. And one of my friends said to me, like, what are you planning on doing um, this weekend, Jeremy? And I said, I have half a bottle of wine at my desk. I'm planning on being at my desk playing Baldur's Gate 3. And I paused for a moment and I was like, who am I going to play? I was like, oh, no, I'm going to I'm going to play Kendall Roy um, List. because I miss Succession very much. And uh, this is the hole that I decided to climb into is, is role playing <laughs> as one of the worst people on television. Um, and so, of course, he's a bard because Kendall Roy loves to rap and Obviously. it's all about charisma. And realistically, the points needed to go somewhere and it wasn't going to be intelligence or strength. Or, or you know, charisma still the dumb start, you know? Exactly, right? Um, and It's not charisma's great. It, it's so fun. It is, it is so fun. I was... Um, so the scenario that I was in, there was a there was a giant barn like uh, house thing that was um, burning down, and there was a bunch of people trapped in there. And I was sent to go in and rescue like a like a chief commander or type um, character. And my dumbass bard, you know, wanders in, hops over the flames, and makes his way over to um, the, one of the players, uh, one of the characters I need to rescue. <laughs> and there's a there's like a, a, a burning wooden like plank that's leaning on him. And one of the, like, there's, there's a couple of different checks I can do, like, you know, strength to try and lift it up or dex to look around and try and, yeah, there's a few. The one yeah. that caught my eye was um, just the, it was a bard check, um, which, which I didn't expect to get in this scenario, which was um, pretend that the plank is too heavy to lift. Oh, <laughs> which, yes. Which I passed, which means that my dumbass character went over, like walked all the way over to this plank of wood <laughs> and then pretended to lift it that it was too heavy to, I guess, oh not make the character that I'm trying to save look like I'm a weakling. Um, and I just pretend to try and lift him and not actually lift it, which was... Brilliant. Just so fucking useless in this scenario. And yet I did it and I passed and he was very convinced that this plank was too heavy for me to lift because I guess he just decided he didn't want to do it. And that, if that's not Kendall Roy, then yeah. I don't know what is. That is him all the way down. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, I haven't really like, I haven't run into any like particularly absurd scenarios just yet. Mm -hmm. I like, I mean, the, the the stuff that's made me laugh so far has been completely self-inflicted. Like I found my way into not long after the sort of early part of the, um, the first act where you're sort of coming up the beach and in through the caves and all the rest of it, mm -hmm. you find your way um, into a druid enclave yes. uh, for a little bit. Um, and in that druid enclave, there's a little, there's a spot not long after you walk into it where there's like one tiefling who's kind of looking after a couple of young ones who are just like practicing combat or whatever. And this is the point where the game is about to teach you like if you crouch and you go and you like pick up an item that's just in the world, you can steal it as long as they're not looking. <laughs> Except I didn't see that tooltip and <laughs> I was on the controller and the controller, the controller support is really quite good uh, in Baldur's Gate 3. I actually quite like it. Um, but it, it kind of it kind of did me over on that one because I didn't realize that this was the sneaking little like tutorial, I guess you would call it, but I'd completely missed. And I accidentally stole the damn piece like, <laughs> of armor that's sitting on the chair behind this guy, and it was just like steel. And I saw it for the blink of an eye. It said steel, and I was trying to talk to him, and instead my guy just went yoink and stole oh, no. this piece of armor, <laughs> and immediately the old mates turned around and been like. You, you're going to jail. <laughs> and the game goes to black screen, and when it comes to my guy is locked in a jail and all my other party members are still outside, and I'm like, what the fuck do I do now? Can I pick the – how do I get out of here? So I walk the party all the way down into the jail and the tieflings <laughs> get mad at them. What the fuck are you doing in here? You shouldn't be down here. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to – you're trying to bust this guy out? Absolutely not. No way. And now we're killing everyone. And I'm like, this is the true <laughs> yeah. Dungeons & Dragons experience. We've gone full murder hobo in like three seconds. Yeah. How yeah. did this happen? My own dumb ass because I missed a tooltip and picked up a damn – now there's like a genocide taking place inside this poor – Poor camp full of druids. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that, that reminds me of how I used to play um, 
Red Dead Redemption 2, honestly, was I would accidentally, you know, I would accidentally hogtie someone or accidentally yeah. pull my gun out and point it at someone or whatever, and then it would turn into this this cascading effect. Oh, my effect God, of how did this happen? The entire town then chasing you out and being wanted <laughs> and having to owe, like, 150 bucks to a town. That you didn't, it's just like, God. so funny. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's that's the stuff that's happened to me, and it's all been self-inflicted. Yeah, right. There the, the, <laughs> was there was a similar thing where I was in this goblin um, uh, little town, and uh, I was talking to one of the lead goblins, and the and the like. The the story of the game is you've got like a parasite in your head that is connected to mind flayers and you don't know how you're going to get it out and you're meeting you're meeting apparently every second person has also got one, which is which is funny mm. how many people you're bumping into who have got one. Um, but this, this, this goblin person was like, oh, I can get it out of your head. And I'm like, I don't trust, but also I'm so curious what you are planning on doing. And so I followed this goblin all the way deep into like this goblin fortress. And, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but if you ever go to a goblin area, you just have to put the word goblin in front of every noun to make it a goblin thing. So, so the goblin (laughs) took me into the goblin fortress and took me into the goblin back door, um, and uh, she was like, yeah, well, like, okay, like, I can perform the goblin ritual on you, but uh, your friends can't be here. Um, I didn't know I could tell my party members just to wait outside. Um, oh, right. <laughs> so I just dismissed all of them and told them to all go back to camp. And I suddenly felt, like, very naked. I was very suddenly alone. very, very alone in this in this goblin fortress. And I was like, well what's the worst that could happen? And so I'm like, I'm good to go. And she locks what is like known as maybe the sturdiest door I've ever seen oh with God. a lot of HP on that door. <laughs> and she, she feeds me what is actually just like a sleeping potion. And she's like, ha, ah, now I'm going to kill you. And I went, well, what if I kill you? First? And so I killed her and it was fine. But all the goblins that were trying to then, because she then raises an alarm and everybody surrounds like the room that I'm in. The door is too strong for any of the goblins to enter. Like they, oh they cannot gosh. break it down. Every attack they are doing on this door is causing zero damage to this door. <laughs> and so I am suddenly both in incredible amounts of danger and completely safe at the oh exact my God, same time. Yes. And I love it. So my dumbass bard walks out the back door, finds the biggest giant goblin I've ever seen in my life. And she's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I meant to be here. And I'm like, oh, well, you pass the vibe check. So whatever, you do whatever the fuck you want. And I left and it was completely fine. There's all these elements of the game that like kind of remind us. There's a like, I mean, I, I rattled off half a dozen like inspirations that this game like draws from, right? Yeah. But there's like a, there's a little bit of like immersive sim in there too. There's a lot like, of immersive sim in this game. Yeah, yeah, and, it's surprising, isn't it? And that's because like you know, immersive sim it's, is. I mean, it's D and D. It's just D and D. Like that. That's mm. that's all it is. It's it's the original game is just imagination. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also a little bit of um, kind of a little bit of Hitman as as well at the same time. You know, totally. you, you sort of walking into an area and just kind of seeing what's happened and when shit hits the fan you're just adapting as much as you can to try and get it all working it's all it's all so good it's so so yeah. good it's so good like and there you go end of review it's just it's so good it's just so like good. we are we are working on our review emily's going to take that one for us uh probably be up on the site in a probably a week or maybe a little bit more depending on how much more time she wants with it yeah, completely um, pour we, one out for anyone who has to write a review for a game oh this big. my god mate like we we got codes um it was originally going to be like six days prior to launch and then it got shortened to four days prior Ooh. prior to launch and like even even with the six days it was just like guys we're not gonna we're not gonna like we're not we're not running to hit that deadline it's no. with the embargo it's not worth it no. um four days certainly not no. um like it uh, yeah no we were happy to let that embargo blow by let emily actually properly like sit with the game play it um, get a feel for it and then deliver her thoughts on the site a little bit later on um, once she's had time to get a solid number of hours under her belt, which, uh, as in her own words, she planned to, to no life it over the weekend. And I believe she did exactly that. Um, so I, I did I did tell her, like, please, like, it's a weekend. Like, go and, like, live your life, do your thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, like, I mean, I, I'm no better. I also no life the game over the weekend just because it was like, I, I got to do this. Like, yeah. I got to play this game. I made a conscious decision to do that, and it was one of yeah. the best ways I could have spent my weekend, honestly. Oh, totally. 
completely. I like, I, I had, I still had stuff I needed to do. I still needed to go and do it. like run a bunch of grown up errands that I really resented every moment of. Yeah. Um, but the moment I got back, yeah, I was straight back into it. Just like, Oh my God. Like even, even, I even like the fact that it throws companions at you from the jump. Like before you've even left the beach, it's like, here's three new friends. I'm like, this is great. Like I love this already building a party. Starion, my guy, like the moment I met Astarian was like, I was playing, I'm now about to start my third character because this is just what I do. I just start new characters and I keep playing around with them. Till I find something that feels like it fits right. Okay. The first one that I was playing was a half orc wizard, and the moment he met a starian, I was just like, I don't like him. This guy, my my guy, he doesn't he doesn't like a starian. Yeah, I, right. I just know these two are not going to get along for whatever reason. That was just the vibe. I love doing um, that. Just creating conflict where there is none, just to see what happens. In, just to in see what games. happens. It's yeah. for the it's for the narrative. It's it for is. The narrative. Yeah. Like you know. Uh, same as D and D, right? Like I was talking about this on the Kotaku podcast uh, just last week, where like I like when I play my real D and D game, I play it with a bunch of guys that like I, I've known forever that I went to high school with, and almost all of them are engineers. They're all mathematicians by trade, basically. Yeah, right. So they're all power gamers. They're all the guys that like min max their stuff. Um, that may have the most highly tuned and optimized characters. They do the most damage I've ever seen out of any character you'll ever see. Yeah. And I'm the guy who comes in and is just like, I like story. Yes. And my yes. job, my job is to throw a bomb in the room. My job is to like pull the pin out of the grenade and roll it down the hallway and see what happens because that's not optimal. And they don't, that always like puts their teeth on edge that every single time, making mistakes on purpose is the thing that like drives the story forward or sends it off in really weird or interesting directions that we didn't anticipate. Um, and it's always the the sessions that we end the session and they're like, that was wild. Who could have seen that car? And I'm like, but if you, if you optimize it, you never get that stuff. Like you, you exactly. need someone yeah. to throw the bomb in the room, you know? I, I I've told this story on podcasts before, but one of um, the first ways I played Red Dead Redemption 2 um was sorry the cat is just attacking the stairs i guess um one of the first ways i played red redemption 2 was i had a physical coin in my hand and i two-faced my way across the um the wild west and just like would flip a coin to see if i would kill or spare people all the time (laughs) it was i love it ridiculous and that game had a little bit more trouble trying to trying to work that out into any sort of cohesion um Mm -hmm. but i i I reckon i reckon boulders 3 could could let me that could actually work. Yeah, funnily um, enough, that could actually work. Any any closing thoughts of on Boulder's uh, Gate Three um, before you throw it to the break, real quick? It's good. Play it. It's so good. Play it. <laughs> it's so good. That's it. Awesome. Final thoughts. It's good. Play it. Awesome. Well, we're going to throw it to a quick break. Um, we will be uh, right back talking just a a, f- a a little bit more about some of the other stuff that we've been playing. Um, so, stay with us. Oh, shit, which one is it? It's that one. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the Minimap cast. I am here still with David Smith of Kotaku, wonderful guest from this episode. Um, Hi, folks. I, I've only sort of got really one other thing that I, that I wanted to talk to um, uh, this episode. Um, that is, I've been playing um, some more Elden Ring. Um, which I haven't played for since it came out, really. Yeah, right. Um, I, I, I fell back it's into a bit of a break. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, I, uh, f- for your context, David, I, I, I really like a lot of FromSoft games. Um, mm. I, I didn't super click with them for a very long time. And mm-hmm. then I did eventually. Um, it took it took Bloodborne and Demon Souls, funnily enough, for me to go. Interesting. Oh yeah, it turns out there's there's something here. Um, as well as living with some friends who were really into these games as well. That does help. Um, falling into them in a big way and and making them click in a way that I feel like I can play basically all of them now. Um, I've mm-hmm. I've beaten all but two at this point. Um, uh, sorry, all, all but three, including Elden Ring. But but I'm 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 on the road to beating Elden Ring now, which is exciting. Um, I haven't been Dark Souls two or three, but only because I didn't like Dark Souls two, and I just haven't. I, I haven't gone back to three in forever. Um, playing Elden Ring now, it's been about a about a year since the game came out. Um, 
I there's now a lot of guides out for how to play that game. There's a lot of really good walkthroughs. There's a lot of really good um, uh, posts on Reddit, which like allow you to say like, hey, like if I'm sort of at this point in the game, what should I be doing? And there's re- really wonderful community around actually showing you the best path to in the most enjoyment in those games. Mm. So what I've been doing now is I restarted the game, made a different character that I usually do, threw a bunch of points into magic um, spells, and I've been going across the land with a big sword and a big staff, hitting as many dudes as possible, but also actually engaging with a lot of the side quest content, mm-hmm. meeting up with a bunch of the NPCs. And I've also been, and this is wild for me to say, I've been reading a lot of item descriptions. <laughs> and Ooh, I've, I've doing, that's a good shit. been doing the whole thing, the whole the whole Elden Ring shebang. Um, Junglist turned- somewhere has just sat up like bolt upright and been like, yes, we've got another one. <laughs> it was for me, it was actually, um, I'm not sure if you've seen RKG, the lads who used to be at IGN mm. UK. Um, they, they've gone through all of those games. Um, and that was the, the, the dynamic that they have allows me to get the game in a way that I wouldn't have on my own because I have, you know, I have the guide teaching the player and the third person making the jokes. Um, mm-hmm in a way that I don't have that where whenever I'm playing that game, but yeah. then bringing up the guide on my phone and doing it on my own and having my own experience in this game has been really rewarding and allows me to actually, um, I guess, appreciate a lot of the world building and a lot of the story in Elden Ring that I, that I didn't really, like I missed a lot of it when I yeah. went through that game for the first time because I was just, making game progress without actually really knowing what I was doing. Mm. Um, what was, what was your experience with like Elden Ring, Souls games, all that stuff? You, you found your way in eventually. I'm yet to hit that point. Really? I'm kind of the, yeah, I'm kind of the outlier. Like I just don't have the patience for it. Like it it which is funny considering I'm about to play like a 400 hour Dungeons and Dragons RPG. I didn't want to but, bring it up, but <laughs> I mean, like it's I'm I'm nothing if not made of contradictions. Honestly, um, it's yeah, I've just I've never hit the point where like they clicked for me like ever. I'm assuming because one the, the from games that have worked for me in the past is Armored Core which we're about to get a brand new one of, and I'm very excited Congratulations about. to you. That game is coming oh out very soon. Oh, my God. It is Devo Christmas over here. Like, <laughs> it is it is finally happening. I, I never thought we'd, we'd see it again after the success of Dark Souls and Elden Ring. I thought, like, that's got to be, like, the last thing on their minds right now. Um, I am very much looking forward to that because it is, it's, it's quite different um, to the what is now considered the FromSoft style guide, those are very different games. Like I've, I've yeah. said, I think, in, in every piece I've written about uh, about Armored Core 6, I think I've said, like, if you're going into this expecting, like, Souls with mechs, you're going to be profoundly disappointed. Yeah. Like, it's so, so different to that. Um, as far as Elden Ring goes, that was sort of the one that came the closest to clicking for me, for sure. Interesting. Uh, mostly, mostly because... <coughs> pardon me. Oh, this cold, I wish it would go away. Um, it's, it gives you the option to just leave. Like, yes, few yes. other Souls games give you that option where like, you can just fuck off and try something else or go somewhere else or do something else. Elden Ring really did give you that. It's very much a, like a make-your-own-adventure, choose-your-own-adventure kind of style, um, which I hadn't really felt in any of the previous From games. It just felt at a certain point like I was just destined to bash my head against a wall until I eventually broke it down. Yeah. Here it feels like if I'm if I'm in over my head or something is not clicking or I'm just not getting a particular fight, I can leave. That's maybe the most basic take on that game, but that was the biggest thing that I took away from it for sure. I was just like if I had the time, if I had the 
many hundreds of hours required to really sink into this game and really get the most out of it. I think that would be the thing that hauled me through. I think that would be the thing that kept me going, even when it felt like, on oh, I've, I've run up against a boss that I just, I'm not going to, I can't beat this right now. I'm not in the, the right headspace I'm, or I don't have a character that's leveled up enough to take them on right now. I don't have the right gear or whatever. Yeah. I can just leave and go and try something else. I thought, at the time, I've not been back to Elden Ring since it came out and we were playing it through the review period. That, to me, felt like, okay, if they were going to get me, it's probably going to be this one. Yeah, right. And 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 ju- just for a little bit more context, did the Star Wars Jedi games do that for you at all? Or They did, because I am a slut for a lightsaber. Uh-huh. It turns out, if you want me to enjoy a Souls like, you just put a lightsaber in my head, apparently that fixes the fucking problem. <laughs> like I said, I am nothing if not made of contradictions. That is that is the strangest. I, I look. I get it. Like I do get it as a as a, as a Star Wars freak. I I understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that you know what I think it is with those. I think it's I think it's that they're they're not very good Souls games. Like they're yeah. not they're not great Souls games. They're not precise. They're not as like finely tuned as a From game is. From games are made like they're they're Faberge eggs made with a blacksmith's hammer. And what you have over here. Star Wars is like Fisher Price, my first Souls like, and you get a lightsaber, and I'm like, that's that's me. That's the game for me. That's the one. Yeah, like I, I remember when when the first time I played Ghost of Tsushima, which is like kind of adjacent um, to to, mm. to some of those games. Beautiful game. I I really didn't like it at the I went the very first time I played it because mm. I was just coming off the back of Sekiro and I was like, this feels like sluggish. My yep. my like nothing feels like it's connecting. Blah 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 blah. And then like I went back a little while later when the PS5 version. I'm like, okay, it wasn't as bad as as I was saying. It's like I mm. I still don't love that game, but yeah, I I know what you mean by there's um there are steps I think to getting there. Yeah. Mine for years was bashing my head against them until one of them eventually cracked. The, the moment <laughs> yeah, right. one of them cracked, I, it did open up my world to the rest of them, which was which was wonderful, and I'm I'm, I'm very that glad for the, that. That seems to be the path through, right? Like at a certain point, you 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 crack through, you break it, you figure it out. Like yeah. something happens, and 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 the whole thing is awakened in your mind, and then everybody goes back through all of them. Yes, yes. they're just like I'm, I'm I'm embarking on the soul's like discography at this point. I'm just going to go all the way through it. Everything from has ever made. I'm going to play it. It's like finding a band that you didn't know existed that has mm. been releasing like albums for. 20 years and then yeah. going back and just go like wow just so many fucking bangers for me to suddenly <laughs> listen to because i found i discovered this thing me i discovered this yeah. world which is yeah. this world that everybody's been yelling about for the past 15 years of of the internet um it turns out i am the discoverer of this world at least to yeah. me um, call that miyazaki call i know right <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm kind of doing that in a in a more condensed version at the moment in Elden Ring, where I'm going back through a world that is familiar to me because I've gone through a lot of what I've, um, what I'm going through now from when I played it the first time. I'm going through that again, and then taking the like kind of intended path um, through that game. Like I'm not going off to a million light years away and doing some side mission that I'm not nearly ready enough like I was when I was. Um, going through the game the first time i'm i'm very much like i've got my horse blinders on i'm going straight down <laughs> the middle of the road i've got a guide that tells me exactly where to go exactly when to be there and exactly what to do um but then getting that entire experience um is still really good and really enjoyable because just some of the world building they've got in some of those games is just so spectacular it's pretty remarkable, isn't it? That for sure is like something that has always amazed me. Everything I hear about the world building later, like the editor of Kotaku US, Patricia Hernandez, did this deep dive into Elden Ring lore not long after they announced the X-Pac yeah, was coming right. out. Mm-hmm. And she just she wrote like a 4,000-word feature on just wow. on Elden Ring lore and where she thought the story was about to go, and it was the most remarkable shit i was just like oh, what am i being exposed to here this is amazing fuck i gotta read that um yeah <laughs> yeah like it's the there's the amount of the amount of videos on bloodborne that i've that i've watched i'm just like just tell me the story just tell me the story over and over again yeah. from from different people telling me their interpretations of that story it's like oh fuck it's so good <laughs> I, I so get it um 
so yeah, like that's that, that's basically what I've been playing. It's it's been it's been that. It's been um, Baldur's Gate three, um, and I guess I'm just in the biggest fantasy kick that I could possibly be in right now. Truly. And I'm fucking loving every second of it. Yeah, man. And I guess that makes yeah. sense. I'm I'm preparing myself to then fall into another sci-fi hole between um Starfield and uh Armored Core back to back. I think that's gonna be a that's gonna then get into the other more annoying side of Jeremy, which is yes, science science fiction is the hole that I climb in. The roller coaster is like reaching the top of the crest right now and yeah. we're about to just come plummeting down the other side into silly season. I'm, I'm so it's, keen ridiculous the amount of cool stuff that's coming up this year is shaping um, up to see, be such a fucking banger year of games just I, so many so many awesome stuff i spent all of 2022 like trying to put together like like our content calendar for what the back half of 2022 was going to be like and everything just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and i was at a certain point it was like 2023 is going to be monstrous yep. an absolute monster of a year the like of which the industry's never seen because everyone's just going to be like okay it's coming in 2023 get ready yeah like, there is no dead zone there is no dry period we're just gonna release banger games all year long and that's kind of what's happened and it's gonna end with a 2d mario which is so exciting it's Insane. So exciting ah oh. what the hell ah oh. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to you wanted to leave us with, David, at all, or happy to happy to call it from there? I think I think that sort of wraps it up pretty neatly. Awesome. We ended a positive note about about FromSoft. Yes. Like I don't, you know, that's a good place to leave it. I think one one day I'll I'll, I'll get you into those games. I will I'll, I'll 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 help you crack that nut so you can. Now Jung is really like wide awake. Like <laughs> the, 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 that's that's been his project since like he he helped bring me on to Kotaku and like that's been his project ever since we started. He was like, I'm gonna help you fucking crack that nut, man. We're gonna figure it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, David. This has been an absolute pleasure. So so appreciate you coming on. Um. Everyone should check out the work that David's been doing over at Kotaku AU. Uh, they're, they're, a part of, they're a part of my daily read. They should be a part of your daily read. Um, oh, bless you. Is there any particular uh, works that you want to you wanna shout out over there that of, of late? Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, just in general, the website, we know there's been like some, uh, some interesting uh, bugs and glitches with the website lately. We've been doing a little bit of a platform merge and that's created some minor headaches but we are working through it we're going to pretty the page up and get it all nice and pretty for you again uh you can come and see us we're kotaku.com.au uh we're talking about video games every single day uh you can we're doing all sorts of stuff over there you can come and check us out on the tiktok we're doing vertical video over there uh you can see my face talking about video games you can see emily you can see a bunch of our freelancer friends coming on and doing some video for us as well we've got the kotaku australia podcast you can check that out every single friday this week we're going to be talking to your my our beloved friend courtney barrett we're going to be talking about anime come along and check that one out that should be a fun one emily's very excited uh yeah that is us come and see us kotaku au on socials everywhere you can find me uh at room words on just about every social media platform but the bloody twitters because i got off it you are stronger than you're stronger than me by by doing that <laughs> I've, I've not been able to climb out of that hole just yet um, uh, you'll get there you'll get there I, I'm, I'm sure i will i'm sure I'll, I'll fall off of it at some point uh <laughs> that does bring us to the end of the mini Rapcast for this week thank you so much for listening make sure to listen to next week's episode where we will talk about hopefully the cold war between ai uh, games made by unity and steam maybe better i want to hear that i i really want to hear that too because i really want to talk about it but we'll see how i go i'm planning on it um <laughs> You can follow us uh, on uh, on the socials at MinimapAU on the various social media accounts that are uh, popping up left and right, including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, and Twitch, and TikTok. Um, you can follow us individually as well. Uh, you can follow me on all those uh, social media platforms at Obi1Jez. You can follow Kerry uh, <laughs> on Twitter at uh, KJ underscore, wait, what is it? Kerry, tell me, tell me in the chat what is it because I, I always forget what it is. And you can follow David um, uh, un, uh, at uh, Runeworld? Rune Runewords. 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 Yeah. Um, you can also head to minimap.com.au for absolutely everything else minimap related, including the mini disc podcast and the latest article, which we published, which was a little while ago now. Um, 
Uh, for those of you uh, that are with us live on Twitch, stick it around. We're about to start the post show. For those of you listening later, make sure to give us those oh-so-tasty five-star ratings. It helps us out a lot. And consider joining us next week for the live show. It is a wonderful time. Kerry's Twitter, thank you for telling me, Kerry, is KJ Palmer underscore 24. He is at home sick. You should definitely give, better him, soon, Kerry. give him a follow. And lastly, you can also support us on Patreon. If you want to help to keep the lights on, you can do that by heading over to patreon.com forward slash AU. And for five Australian dollars, you get 24 hours of early access for all episodes of the Minimap cast, as well as some more benefits like those E3 videos that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, all while helping us, as, all while helping us out greatly. Thank you so That's much. That's a for bargain. Coming. Support independent Australian games media. Totally, right? There's, there's, there's only a few of us around at the moment, and we really, really need it. Um, yep. Thank you so much again, Dave, for coming on the show. It's been such a blast. Thank you. Of course, mate. Anytime. Thank you, everybody else, for listening. Have a wonderful night. Bye.